1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
0: This is Jeff Fidoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team, in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, Kansas City Chiefs, Radio analyst and former wide receiver Danon Hughes joins former Chiefs offensive of lineman Joe Valerio. In addition to his Chiefs coverage, Danon is the only radio analyst who also does college baseball, college basketball, and college football. Quite quite a lot on your plate there, Danon. Thanks so much for joining us again.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I, you know, I've been told to have a face for radio, so evidently that must be true. I don't know, uh, you know, but it's it's nevertheless. I do the television for ESPN. I do the TV for the Big Ten Network, and then I have the uh, the fortunate uh, uh, blessing of being on the radio with Mitch Holtis for the Chiefs, and you know, with you guys on different podcasts. So it, it's fun. I get to talk sports. This is the cool time.
0: Joe was saying off off air that like. That face was prettier before, prior to Martin, Marty Shotenier's training. Yeah, yeah, that, he yeah. The, yeah. He put us through. He put us through the paces.
2: We were all we were all a lot better looking before Marty time. It, we had we less say, twitches.
1: Every yes. once in a while, I get a little twitch in my yes. shoulder or something, a little muscle spasm. There you go. As,
2: as we say all the time, Marty time was Lombardi time. Yeah. So we did not we did not <laughs> mess around, and we were actually talking, um, Dana, the other day. I ran into um, I ran into Terry Bradway. The oh. other day on the Ocean City, New Jersey boardwalk, and we were talking about you because we were trying to figure out. Now he had his money on you, and we found out it was right. Who won the home run hitting contest at training camp? Uh, and and they they, <laughs> they were there was I guess there was there was some um, there was some debate that it was Dave Craig, believe it or not, because didn't you guys get yeah. down to the finals? And Terry, yeah, I think it was money Dave on Craig
1: you. and myself, and uh, yeah, Terry actually texted me. During the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I think it was either the Big Ten tournament or during the regionals and asked me that. Yeah, it was me, Dave Craig, Marcus, uh, Allen. I forgot who else were in the final four. But once Marty, people don't know the inside scoop is that everybody, you know, this was the dog days of training camp. And Marty goes to Joe Montana and asks him, hey, you know, how how did you guys out in in uh, 49er land break up the monotony of training camp and Joe suggested a home run derby or something like that to break up the monotony of practice now this was after we had our first practice of the day and after you know Joe you going full speed nine on sevens me one on ones and all that stuff and until like everybody was like oh we'd just rather go back to the dorm and sleep you know go rest and then Marty put up 500 bucks on the winner. And that's when everybody started stretching out, started loosening up. That's when I was like, okay. I, that's when I started to take it serious. I'm a lowly rookie. I didn't have much of a sign-in bonus. And I'm like, okay, this is a, this is going to be an easy, quick way for me to get 500 bucks. So I love it. like I got dialed in. I was good.
2: Uh, that's the stuff that fans don't know about sometimes, Jeff, that goes on, you know, at training camp.
0: Also interesting here. I always thought Dave Craig was a very underrated quarterback. I didn't realize he was that good an all-around athlete. He must have been if he was that good a home run hitter.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys. I mean, Joe can attest to it. Just because we were football players, Mm -hmm. I'd say from, if you look at baseball, basketball, and football, I don't know who's the best athletes, but I do know as far as multi-sport versatility, football players have to be at the top. I mean, I've seen basketball players try to throw baseball. I've seen – we've seen baseball players try to run sprints. You know, there's some that are really, really good, and, like, you can say, wow, that kid probably played multiple sports. But for the most part, if you look at a football roster, you're seeing multi-sport athletes that can – with great eye-hand coordination, you know, they can pretty much do it all. So, yeah, there was a lot of guys that, you know, it got me a little nervous early in that home run contest, but I was able to dial in (laughs) – (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, maybe you, Jeff and I were talking the other day about remember Dane in that we had that, um, above in the old training facility, right? We had that, the two, we had the two, um, uh, racquetball courts, the red, red man used to make us, red man was the nickname for our strength coach, Dave Redding, red man used to make us yeah. play racquetball. And then he'd make us play basketball and we, and, yeah. and we were going, Jeff and I were going down the list and trying to figure out who was the worst basketball player. <laughs> and I kind of, I kind of, I kind of threw out Dave's eye because, Dave was, you know, he was a, he was a state champion wrestler. So he yeah. probably had never even touched a basketball. And if he did, it was to crush it. Um, <laughs> but he, he, he could, he could throw up some bricks, but uh, yeah. we, we, we had fun. And, and I agree with you, Dane. And I, and you're probably out there, look, you're doing basketball, right? You're doing baseball. You played baseball and football in college. You played in the, in and you, you signed a major league contract like you're a perfect example of that right that that it takes that well-roundedness you know just that I just watched you know finish watching the other day that Joe Montana special on on peacock yeah. right and here's a guy could have played any sport in college that he wanted to and it does I think it means something I, 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 I oh, know yeah. for a fact that you're probably out there promoting that to young people like get out be well-rounded do oh. do more than just focus and zero in
1: absolutely I think one of the worst words in sports especially youth sports is specialization. I think that's been thrown out because of the money that's involved uh, with private coaches and training and this and that, that people get dialed into at 13, 14 years old. Um, You are a pitcher. You are a running back. You are a quarterback. And they fail to realize that you're telling somebody something or you're pushing somebody to some direction when they, can't even drive yet. They don't even have a job yet. And you're telling them what they're going to be for the rest of their sports career. And yeah. I've dealt with that from the coaching level with my kids, et cetera. And I hate it. I think you should play as many sports or if there's a message out there for kids and parents watching, let your kid play as many sports as they can possibly can. And then it will dial itself in at some point on their own and on their yeah. terms. And there's there's little things worse uh, or than being an all-around athlete who happens to play football an all-around athlete who happens to play basketball who happens to play baseball as opposed to just being dialed in as this specific sport yeah so it definitely they're, helps they're, you know i mean, I'm standing on my pedestal right there there you and, go i love it <laughs> that's the message yeah and, and, and dana
2: not just not just from like a uh, an athletic perspective and building a well-rounded athlete that that's obviously the big positive but you know there's also a lot of kids out there that you don't know what's going to happen. I was a perfect example of that. Dan, I think I've told you this before. I thought I was going to play baseball in college my whole life.
1: Mm-hmm, like I, I was remember. a
2: catcher, but you know, my sophomore year in high school, I was five foot 10, 155 pounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> By the time I came back from my junior year, I was six foot four. Now I didn't gain too much weight. I was 175 whopping 175 pounds. Wow. So like I had number one, I gave up wrestling. Because mm-hmm. what weight class is there for a guy who's six foot four, 175 pounds? There's there's no weight class for that. I would get killed. No, no. I get
1: killed. Yeah.
2: And 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 catching started to become a struggle for me, you know. And then I grew to six five and it was like, all right, you know, what, what am I gonna do? And yeah. you know, so you don't want to just pigeonhole people in because if I hadn't been playing football my whole life or and I had never really played pickup basketball my whole life, like where would I have turned? Cause I ended up playing yeah. basketball towards the end of my high school career and i gave up wrestling so huh. i'm i'm you just don't know what's going to happen to kids with the yeah. growth spurts and all that stuff so
1: you know what and joe you make a, a great point and i will say this before we move on part of the reason when i go back to my rookie year and you may not remember this but i was on practice squad for the first 10 games and then i got my opportunity after fred jones broke his mm. nose yeah. And they Marty activated me. And the one thing he had asked me, he said, Hey, Danon, can you punt return? I never punt returned in my life, Jeff. <laughs> never did it, but I figured it out because I knew how to go back on fly balls. I knew how to judge fly balls as an outfielder. And obviously, the answer to Marty was, Yeah, I know how to do it. Of and course. In the back of my mind, I'm like, Oh crap, I'm going to be <laughs> punt returning on Monday night football against the Buffalo Bills. This is going to be crazy. But if I had not had that kind of well-rounded background, who knows what I would, have, what kind of confidences I would have had in, in those abilities. Yeah. That, that, that is a
0: great story. And, you know, that's a perfect segue to something else I wanted to talk about is uh, Tyreek Hill was so great at tracking the ball. He w- he was a former baseball player, and he attributed that why he was so good at that. And, Dana, I'd love your take as a former wide receiver on the position group that everyone's talking about. It seems like people are in two camps either that, Tyreek Hill is so all-world you can't replace him. Or some people think uh, the Chiefs wider receiver core will actually be better now because it's a little deeper and more versatile. What are you thinking? What are you seeing from, a, uh, from your vantage point?
1: Yeah, I think this is one of the great stories of the offseason, not just for the Chiefs, but for the NFL to have a, a guy that has that kind of cachet, that kind of star power production like Tyreek Hill. That's huge for the NFL. Uh, To see him in a different jersey is going to be weird for a lot of fans, not just Chiefs fans. But I'll say this, and I've said this from the beginning, we probably should have known this was coming. And here's why. Name a team that has had a non-rookie quarterback, top five salary, non-rookie salary, top five paid quarterback, who also has a top five paid receiver. In the history of the game, outside of maybe pre-free agency where you maybe had the Raiders or the Cowboys stack, you know, giving a money because Mm -hmm. there wasn't wasn't a salary cap or what have you. In the modern football era, you don't see that. You don't hear about it Mm -hmm. because either even with Russell Wilson, he signed a huge deal. What did the Seahawks go and do? They extended Tyler Lockett. They didn't give him a new contract. They just extended him. Because they knew as long as they had Russell Wilson on a $35 million contract, there was no way they were going to be able to pay Tyler Tyler Lockett the top five or top ten salary that he probably would have demanded had he gone to free agency. So with one year left on Tyreek's contract, and you recognize that, you can opt to have him disgruntled playing in his final year of his contract and all the circus that would be around that. You could trade him, which they did to get some kind of assets back, and they traded him to a place where he wanted to go, so they accommodated him with that, or you can roll the dice. And I don't think that that's what you wanted to do. So from a business standpoint, when January kicked around, we probably should have known that this was going to be on the horizon, that there was going to be something to be done with Tyreek. Now, to your question in regards to how it's going to affect the Chiefs, um, with, with a talent like Tyreek, it's tough to say. It's an addition by subtraction. But in totality, I think it is. Because when one, criti- one critique or the – I don't know if we were on podcasts at the end of the season. Well, at the end of the season, I do my recap of what I think the Chiefs need to build on. At three areas, I said they need to be taller at wide receiver. They need to be longer at corner and they need to be more consistent slash relentless at pass rush. Those are the three overwhelming needs that I thought went into the offseason from that loss against the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, last year, if you take Travis Kelsey out of the mix because he's not a receiver, all your playmakers were six foot or under for the Chiefs. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman. Then you had Jarek McKinnon. So you had to get longer somewhere. So you go out and get what you get. Six foot two, Juju Smith-Schuster. Six foot four, Marquez Valdez-Scantlin. You go and draft a receiver who's more like a Tyreek Hill, but he's going to be a slot guy. You get free agents. You still got Josh Gordon, six foot four. You got uh, Justin Ross, who's supposed to be a steal of free agency from Clemson. Six foot four. Um, I went to the rookie dinner when they were all here for minicamp, and I sat at the table with receivers. There's a bunch of unnamed guys. Uh, I shouldn't say unnamed, but not, not known guys that are free agents for this offseason that are six foot two and above. So mm. there was a conscious effort made that if you have to get rid of Tyreek, here's the direction you're going to go. You're going to give big body guys or give Patrick Mahomes big body guys to be able to throw the ball to because guess what we saw? Um, Joe Burrows, who was he throwing to? Six foot four, six foot four, six foot two. Or you see Justin Herbert with the Chargers, who's he throwing to? Six foot five, six foot four, six foot two. So you're seeing the theme around the NFL is bigger receivers. Now, Tyreek Hill is an anomaly. We know that. But I feel like to answer your question, Jeff, this is an addition by subtraction because you we have created insane amount of depth with the Chiefs wide receiving core. Mm-hmm. And by getting rid of a clear number one, but then assuming a Valdez Scantling and a Juju Smith-Schuster, you have now four very viable receivers on the field at any time. And to me, I think that's going to make us new look, and it may make us better.
2: Ah, I love it, Dana. We've been talking about how how that how that is really, it's going to open the playbook up for Eric yeah. and Andy, right? It's going to yep. it's going to add page after page after page for them and options. And you know, look, Jeff likes to call me the wide. Receiver, <laughs> you, you know, I try, I try you to give. yourself I try,
0: that, Joe. I, try, I, 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 right, well, I, I, I couldn't just, I couldn't take the
2: credit for it. But like, you know, so I try to give my my thoughts on on what goes on out there. But you know, you you are the expert, and and I think that was you nailed it, right? You nailed everything that we've tried to say. You nailed it very eloquently. And 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 for me, it's about a diversification of that position, right? And What they've done mm-hmm. to diversify and give Patrick a lot of different targets. I mean. You know he's going to have. When's the last time you saw him throw a back shoulder throw? Right, like he just doesn't yeah. he doesn't have anybody to do that with. I mean, so yep. I, we're we're really excited about it. it's something that we've talked a lot about. And you really put a cap on it for us because that was that was great analysis on on what's going on out there in space. Because I can talk about the little closet all I want, but you know the deal what happens out <laughs> there and, why, and what Patrick's <laughs> going to be looking for and what's going to make the Chiefs you know hum this year.
1: Oh yeah. Um,
0: really great analysis there uh, thanks Danan. well our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all the latest odds news and sports development including this year's NBA draft they have odds on who who's gonna go where Danan's Keegan Murray is the odds on favorite right now to go number five overall according to oh, battle so four. maybe maybe we'll go up to four the stanley cup finals major league baseball the latest fighting news and even next season's early nfl futures head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to get the bonus and get into the action bet online where the game starts
2: Hey, Jeff, you know what's going to be lines? number one 100% win is that we will have Danan again on this podcast he's, so <laughs> he's awesome.
1: He's great. He's, <laughs>
0: he's
2: the bomb. He is the bomb.
0: Appreciate uh, you guys. And we're, of course, here with uh, Danan Hughes, the Chiefs radio analyst. Uh, Danan, you mentioned we talked about you're not only doing Chiefs, but you're doing so many other cool broadcasting things. Do you remember, you know, Joe, when he was on the Chiefs, was working for Channel 9, the local ABC affiliate. Do you remember that? What was, like, the reaction of the team when they – I mean, that was pretty That was pretty cool and, and not very common back in those days.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? It was an interesting window of time. And, Joe, you can attest to this, is that one thing about Carl Peterson and Marty Schottenheimer is that although we had tough camps, tough practices, it was a real grind on your body – They were really, really open. I'd say cutting edge in regards to allowing the players open forums for media. Like we Mm -hmm. all had radio shows back then. Joe was working part time. You know, I I remember different guys. I mean, they would have open, basically an open forum for us to be able to go on different TV shows, radio shows. I hosted a show with Donnell Bennett, Derek Thomas, Neil Smith, Vaughn Booker, Anthony Davis, Grunhard had a long-standing show, Bill Moss before me. I mean, it was it was kind of one of those deals where it was really encouraged. So now when you fast forward 30, <clears throat> 30 years later, um, <laughs> you know, you, we can see the fruits of those labors. And now I have that form. I caught the bug and was able to do high school games and work my way up the ladder, you know, still staying here in Kansas City, you guys doing podcasts and other work. Uh, it's very unique to be a part of this kind of, forum in this kind of area, but you look back now and you see, wow, it was, those seeds were planted early and they worked out.
2: And Dana, I want you to circle in your calendar, Jeff, we're going to, we're going to promote it right here today, October 8th, Saturday. I will be the color analyst for the university of Pennsylvania versus Georgetown yes. bulldog game down oh, in DC. Ah. So I'm filling in for the, 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 the Philadelphia legend, Hench Murray, uh on the uh on the pen radio network uh so i'll be do I'll be doing the color It'll be my first color gig college. oh wow so that is
0: that is I very just, cool
2: i just found that out so danon's inspired me and to go out and, and, and make the effort so uh, i did a little sideline reporting for the quakers back in the day uh but i'm gonna head back out uh, into the booth to, to fill in for, for my man hench murray so now let me ask if you if this question
1: joe do do does Penn play bucknell is, are they on your uh, schedule? I will have, have to, you know,
2: they have, but they usually are. Yeah. They usually, they usually do Um, you know, they'll do somebody from you know what we used to call the old Patriot league, right? I, would they still yeah. go by the Patriot league? They still go by that, that name. I can't remember if they still go by that, but yeah, yeah but you know, you got, uh, you got what well, we used to call them the Yankee conference, right? Delaware, Villanova, and then you yeah. got, and then you had the Patriot Colgate, uh, Bucknell, but they, they have played Bucknell. I know I played Bucknell all, all three years I was in college.
1: I, I say that because Donnell Bennett, our former teammate, his son plays for Bucknell. So, okay. Yeah, if you if you expand your color analyst, you might be calling a game for I the might, son of one of your former teammates. There I you might, go.
2: I might be doing it. Yeah, Donnell would I've, I've joined him on a couple of podcasts uh, that he does with uh, with Kimball, which is which is a ton of fun. Don't know if you've done that uh, with those knuckle, those knuckleheads, but it's a blast. <laughs> they are. They are just – they're, they're awesome, man. They're, they're such great guys. And Kimball, of course, is, you know, just uh, – we, we all, former players, just got the announcement and got our invites to the Hall of Fame – or not the Hall of Fame game, the Ring of Fame game, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and, and Kimball Anders is going into, into the Ring of Fame this year. So, super excited awesome. about that. I think November 8th, I think, is the, is the yeah. Sunday. So, yeah, excited for
1: Well-deserved, ah. great guy, as you know. I mean, it's going to be a fun weekend seeing a lot of the guys we played with back. Definitely. Dan,
0: that was so cool how you kind of revealed that inside. You were at the, the rookie dinner and a former wide receiver yourself, yeah, and you just were struck by how big uh, the Chiefs wide receivers were, even even some of the, the rookies or the, the guys maybe that haven't been getting that much attention. What else has kind of struck you during kind of this offseason? What other things that have you gleaned here that our, our listeners might be being interested in?
1: You know what? From a Chiefs perspective, uh, Jeff, I would say this. I have to give a lot of credit to Brett Veach and Andy Reid, and here's why. There hasn't been a team that I can recall. Now, obviously, I'm a little bit biased, a little bit slanted there, but that I can recall that has done as great a job of immediately addressing issues and positions as well as the Chiefs. Rewind three years ago. You know, we, we are in the AFC Championship at home. The first time we're hosting it, uh, it, you know, and we are having an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl and we're facing Tom Brady and the Patriots. D Ford lines up off sides, doesn't have a sack, doesn't have a tackle in the game. Rob Gronkowski, and this is not to besmirch the name of Eric Berry or, or say that he's, you know, damaged good, it was bad on him, but Rob Gronkowski got the best of our safety core that, that night. What do we do? Uh, Edelman got the, the best of our guys on the interior. What do we do? Get rid of D. Ford. Eric Berry retires. We get the Honey Badger and we get Frank Clark. Immediate addressing of a chasm or an opening that need to be filled. Go to the next year. We win the Super Bowl. Uh, we go into the next year. We lose the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay in pretty much embarrassing format. What was the glowing or the glaring opening or issue that we had in that game? Offensive line, the blocking. What do they do? The first team to ever go to a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl, go to two consecutive consecutive Super Bowls, and then start the next season off as a Super Bowl favorite with an entirely new offensive line. Immediately addressing an issue not dancing around it, not putting a Band-Aid on it, but immediately addressing it. So now you go into this year coming with a draft that we had 12 draft picks, and you recognize, okay, Tyreek Hill, you got issues there. You got to get rid of him. You have uh, defensive end, outside linebacker. We couldn't get to Joe Burrow. The week prior to playing us, they played in a divisional uh, game, and he was sacked nine times. The week after us in the Super Bowl, I believe he was sacked seven times. Our game, I think we, only, we may have sacked him once if we even got to him. What do you do? You go out and get Karloftis. You go out and take a, a first-round pick with the Washington pick and get a DB at corner. You're immediately addressing issues that plague a team, the team before, no matter how much success you had. We've seen throughout the course of history where teams rest on their laurels. They rest on the fact that this one loss was an anomaly. Let's not break things up. While the Chiefs and Andy Reid and and Brett Veach, they don't prescribe to that. They go and address issues when it's absolutely necessary before it becomes a glaring issue. Uh, Even going back to that first Super Bowl where we had our defensive coordinator, our defense wasn't very good. And uh, that first run against Tom, Tom Brady, what do we do? We go out and get spags as a defensive coordinator and things flip around. That's what you're getting with the Chiefs is immediate action. Who knows if that will make us the best team again. I know we are favorites amongst everybody, The interesting fact is for any Charger fans out there, this is like the sixth year that you guys are like supposed to be favorites to win the (laughs) AFC West (laughs) and you haven't even made the playoffs, but that's the whole nother story. Um, But yeah, any way to try to slight the Chiefs, that's what it is. But I can appreciate Brad Beach and what they do in the offseason because I believe from a player's perspective, if we were in that locker room. And let's say they didn't replace Joe V and me, but we were in that locker room. We would really feel jazzed up about the fact that you're really putting your, the the meat behind the words. You're really saying we're going to get better. We're going to move forward. We have higher expectations. It's not about just hosting a playoff game anymore. It's about getting to the promised land.
2: let me, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you mentioned three things, tall at receiver, long a corner, okay, and I believe they've done that. I think you believe they've mm-hmm. done that too. The elephant sitting over in the corner of the room right now, have they done enough on your third bullet point, which is the defensive line? Because that, that's that been Jeff and is like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: oh, yeah. every time we, we record this pod, because, you know, we do this every week, all off season, during the season, we don't miss a beat. We still have – we're getting close, buddy. It's getting close. Yeah. Training camp is around the corner. We're at mini camp. Oh, just finished some OTAs. Like, I'm getting nervous about your third bullet point. Tell us about that. What are you, how are you feeling about it?
1: So, I feel comfortable. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I don't know how confident I am, but I feel comfortable, and here's why. The Chiefs have also had a method to the madness in regards to signing older guys. You go back to after D Ford went down. Mm-hmm. You had, a, or you we, we wind up jettisoning him off to the Niners. We went through that season with Frank Clark, Chris Jones, the normal characters, and then we went and got Terrell Suggs yeah. right yeah. before the playoffs. Fast forward to this year, we go through the season, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, uh, a host of different guys, a couple of young guys out there, Willie Gay Jr., who we weren't really sure of, who I think is going to be a star. And we go and get Melvin Ingram the third. So they've had a history of being able to say, you know what, we're going to give this training camp and preseason and a few games into the season to these young guys, to these guys we really expect to really do damage. But I guarantee you on the bat phone in Brett Beach's office, he has a line into somebody, a veteran who can come in and make an immediate impact because that's what they've done. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say I'm comfortable with it because talk to me after game four, like after game four, and if we're bottom half of the NFL and sacks and we're playing 42 to 35 games, then I'm, then I'm going to be less comfortable and I'm going to be a little bit concerned. But as far as confidence is concerned, I feel like this, they have a track record of being able to address things, in immediate places, even during the season. So, Carlotta stays healthy. Willie Gay Jr. stays healthy. You got your free agent uh, free agent signees in the back end. The safeties are staying healthy. You you have a first round pick at your cornerback position. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are going to be able to step up and assume leadership roles and make this defense younger. More consistent. Like to me, if I'm Frank Clark, I gotta be a little bit concerned because they're not drafting Carl this first round to sit on the sideline and run down through a wedge. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be playing on the field and he's gonna be rushing. And I feel like he can be like a J.J. Watt type. Mm-hmm. He can be like a Max Crosby. He can be like a um, you know guys that have rel- Jared Allen those guys that have relentless kind of attitudes in regards to playing through the whistle. Someone brought up to my attention last week, and this is not a knock, but it's, we can watch film. How how many times did we see guys like Frank Clark and Chris Jones chase somebody down from behind and be that knocking the ball loose Mm -hmm. uh, factor? You know, those are the extra efforts Mm -hmm. that I think we need to be more, it needs to be more commonplace with our team as opposed to just a here or there play when you have a young guy on the field like a Willie Gay Jr. or someone like that. Having the consistency of what we saw, relentless behavior, like we saw from the Rams in the Super Bowl, and like we saw from the Bengals in the second half of both of our games, the regular season and the AFC Championship, heck, like we saw from the Bills, relentlessness. And I think that's what we're going to see more of.
2: Good analysis. That's great analysis. Great. I'm glad you feel confident about it because that was something that I think was the, at least the last piece of the puzzle that Jeff and I have been talking about. You know, you, you mentioned all the great things that Brett and Andy have done over the last several years to fill in gaps, fill in holes. You know, Jeff and I always talk about what they did after the debacle in the Super Bowl, with the O-line, and they were never going to let that happen again. Mm-hmm. And I think this was the last piece. I think you, you, you make me feel better going into camp if they don't make that big signing, right? You know, for a little while, it was the noise and the chatter about Jadavian Clowney, right? Could, could yeah. be a chief. And, you know, I feel better now. I feel better I, now. I literally,
0: it. yeah. We have been. I I've been. I literally, dude. When you were talking about the Suggs and Ingram analogies, Joe, I literally feel better now. I mean, we we've yeah. been stressing on <laughs> this. Talked like, you guys stress. off the yes. ledge. There we go. <laughs> well, uh, Dan Hughes, Chiefs radio announcer. Thanks so much uh, for for joining us here.
1: Appreciate you guys having me anytime, man. Look forward to talking to you guys. Maybe right after we see uh, each other for alumni weekend if you make it up here and be able to talk a little chiefs at that point they should be 13 and 0 by then yeah. I think, so, <laughs> right somewhere around there yeah
2: if 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 patrick mahomes uh, you know says it has anything to say about it right and uh, what where with the predictions he had going in the last year but last year. i love his attitude i love what they're doing all season and Danon, i hope you're enjoying kc right now cuz it is Stuff is happening, right? I mean, the oh, yeah. World Cup is coming. we got soccer stadiums, all kinds of great sport events and just things happening in yeah. the KC sports scene. So, And you're right in the heart of it, man. So that's awesome.
1: Oh, man. It, it's been great, man, uh, to watch all the, the elevation of Kansas City. You and I know this is like a gem. This is like a diamond in the rough, the Midwest. I've been out here since 88 when I went up to Iowa and then came right down here. I-35 down to Kansas City, and I haven't missed a beat or changed since 1993 coming here. But to know, you know, you're talking about a downtown stadium for the Royals with the power and light district that's down there, the the restaurants and the hotels that are booming. It would be great to have a, a, a stadium down there, especially a baseball stadium. I am not necessarily a fan of a football stadium down there. But because I think it can be too congested, but a baseball stadium like like you see in St. Louis uh, yeah. and a lot of other parks around, I think would be great. And then you got the World Cup and, you know, Sporting KC, everything, the women's league that's out here. You got ownership by current players. When you're talking about Patrick Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes, mm-hmm. they're part owners of the, the multiple sporting venues that we have here. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of jazz, a lot of life here in Kansas City. So it's fun to be a part of. And you're also talking about Chiefs being potentially in a Super Bowl again and again and again with the best quarterback in the league, the best coach in the league. Uh, a lot of great things happening here. So, yeah, it's fun. It's hot, but it's <laughs> fun. Uh, but I love it. Well, if you enjoyed this show presented by Bet Online, please
0: subscribe. We'll, we're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we're back next week.